Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, whatever time it may be that you're joining us. Welcome to All That and a Bag of Chips, where we review various things from our childhood and decide whether or not they truly were All That and a Bag of Chips. My name is Sam, and this is my co-host, Ethan. Hello, hello. On today's episode of All That and a Bag of Chips, we're going to talk about scary stories to tell in the dark. Let's get to it. Two dudes from the 90s going back in time to review some favorite things with yours and mine. We got candy, movies, and TV shows. The more we reminisce, the more the list grows. Kick back, relax, put your headphones in. As soon as you're ready, play, and let's begin. I'm glad you joined this nostalgia trip right here on All That and a Bag of Chips. All right, let's get into it. As Sam mentioned, we are talking about scary stories to tell in the dark. Um, but before we get too far into that, Sam, tell us how did you grow up this week? <clears throat> well, um, I just finished watching the Chiefs beat the Bills. So that was a great cap to the week, even though it is technically Monday. Cap to I the go week, by, it's Monday. <laughs> I, go, I go by football weeks. <laughs> so that's how I grew up this week. I got to watch my Chiefs win on a Monday afternoon. Hell yeah, brother. It was a great game. Yep. I mean, it was kind of boring, but the Chiefs just pounded the ball at the Bills and shut them down. Yep. Yep, I'll take it. It was great. Shout out to Matt if he's listening to this. <laughs> Shutting down the Bills all day. Woo. That's that's the only way you grew up this week, watching the Chiefs win like 20 minutes ago. Uh, yeah, other than that, <laughs> I just kind of hung out at home with the family over the weekend and had a normal work week. All right, very nice. Oh, I'm done done with my playhouse for Sawyer. It is completely done. Oh, okay. Just in time yep. for the winter. Yep. <clears throat> awesome. Has he gone out and played with him played on it much? Um, not since I completely finished it. We've been pretty busy and we just haven't really spent time in the backyard. But I think we will this weekend. We don't really have anything going on. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. I had to build a gate because he tries to jump out. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it's nice to be pretty chilly this weekend, but I mean, yeah, 40. That's, that's all right. With me. That's not terrible. You get out there. Yeah. All right. I grew up this week by number one. I finished The Haunting of Bly Manor early last week. Have you watched any of this, Sam? Or have you watched Haunting of Hill House? I watched Haunting of Hill House. I haven't watched Bly Manor because I haven't heard great things about it. Well, here's my quick rundown of those two shows. Haunting of Hill House. So I have a list of shows that I've pretty much ranked from like a 1 out of 10 to a 10 out of 10. And I only have a couple shows that are in that 10 out of 10 ranking, which means they are absolutely amazing. And every single person on the planet needs to watch them before they die. That's what 10 out of 10 means. And I have two shows in that list. The first one is Master of None. The second one is Haunting of Hill House. That first season is incredible. It is one of my favorite shows of all time, and I freaking love it. This season is close to that. Not quite that good, but I give it like an eight out of, like seven to eight out of 10. It was really, really good. I enjoyed it. And my sisters and I both watched it kind of at like the same time. We watched the first couple episodes together, and then we finished them separate. So we've been talking about it and FaceTiming about it and stuff. And it was really good. I enjoyed it. You should watch it, Sam. Um, and then what, oh, I watched, um, X-Men Apocalypse on Saturday, on Friday and Saturday. Have you seen, have you seen many of the X-Men movies? Oh, I've seen them all. Okay. What'd you think of X-Men Apocalypse? It blows. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the general, um, that's the general <laughs> response to this movie. Here's the thing, like, generally the X-Men movies for the, the recent ones that have come out in the 2000s up until even last year, like they're either people think they're really really the good ones are really really good and the bad ones are really really bad which i find i've found myself kind of in the middle where like they're not like my favorite group of movies uh -huh. like even the really good ones i'm like yeah that was, that was good like it was fine i've just never yeah. been a big x-men fan but then the bad ones i'm like i mean that was fine like it wasn't that bad but some people really really hate them so i found myself kind of in the middle so like I didn't hate this movie, but it was definitely not in like that top tier of X Men movie like X, no. X Men and X Two. 
those were fantastic. And yeah. X-Men, um, new, what was it called? New Generation or something? First Class. First Class, yes. First Class was good. X3, Last Stand was horrible. That one I did watch and I was like, what the hell is even happening? That was rough. I tried to watch all of those in a row, like right before Dark Phoenix came out. Oh God, I still haven't even seen Dark Phoenix because that is the second worst X-Men movie of all time. But you haven't seen it. That's the thing. I watched it a few months ago and it's it's not good to be fair, but like it's not a like a complete train wreck like they made a sound. Like it's it, it's acceptable. It's not good, but like it's it's a movie. It's entertaining to watch at the very least. Oh god no. Dark Phoenix is shit. The New <laughs> Mutants is even bigger shit. Have you seen New Mutants yet? Hell no. <laughs> so you don't even know. You're just going no. off what people say. Oh no. There's, it's it's one thing if it's people, but when it's literally everyone, including the guy who wrote the original comic books, <laughs> then yes. Yeah. They didn't fair. even bother to spell his name correctly in the credits for New Mutant. I saw that. How embarrassing. Yes. That's I, how, it's a joke. That is pretty awful. But all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's move forward. That's yeah. uh, that's how we grew up this week. That was that was a long. <laughs> that's how we grew up this week segment. So um so let's get into it let's uh what's your history so this week we're talking about scary stories that tell in the dark so this is going to be a unique episode because these three books from i mean that were popular in our childhood and there's good reasons why they were so controversial and popular in our childhood and we'll talk about those here in a little bit but so we're covering a huge range of time here in this episode sam we're covering from 1981 when the first book came out 84 when the second book came out and 91 when the third book came out combined with 2019 when the movie came out so we've got a huge range of time here that we're going to cover we're going to cover a little bit from the beginning a little bit from the end a little bit here and there in between but what is your history with scary stories tell in the dark samuel um so this was always one of my favorite books like i, I really didn't read a lot of books as a kid but this was one that i loved and until i watched the documentary about this book i thought i was just a weird kid that read these books <laughs> religiously and then i realized that there was like a cult following to these books which i thought was really cool but i was a huge fan of these books i loved scary stuff as a kid um and like this was right up my alley i was really excited when i saw they were making a movie for it i was i was Maybe not excited. Maybe that I was intrigued because I was, I was I wondered how they would do it. Yeah, I was um, when the movies came out. When the movie came out last year, I didn't end up going to see it in theaters, but it was definitely a movie that I was like, I think I was living up here in Lawrence before even my roommate moved in. So I was living up here by myself, and I was like, I think I could go back to Wichita and go see this. Like if I can talk to a couple of people back in Wichita to go see this movie with me, I'll go see uh, it in theaters for sure. Because as a kid, I freaking loved these books. They were, they just were so unique and so weird and so creepy. They legit, uh, one of these stories we'll talk about here in a little bit, legit gave me some nightmares for a little bit. Uh-huh. And uh, they were definitely, I, we kind of grew up in the, in the time that they were, kind of on that like that banned book list and people were kind of against them ever being in children's libraries yeah and i remember for a fact that when i was in grade school one year these books were acceptable to rent out and check out and then the next uh -huh. year they weren't and you hmm. they were literally taken off the shelves but they were like still up on the wall like the marking for where they should be was up on the on the bookshelf oh. and there was like a little like strip of like tape or something and i was like these books have been taken out which if you want to talk a nine-year-old into reading a book tell them they can't read it that's the first thing i want to do is read this I damn know, book right it was incredible i was like holy shit like this book is so scary that they took it off the shelves for for now that's the kind of promoting that i need exactly we need that banned book style um so i was super into these books i remember i read them um I think I've been mentioned it a little bit off air with you and uh, Jenny last week, but I used to read these books when we were in, like in, not in church necessarily, but I was definitely in my church when I was reading them. I think I was uh -huh. reading them like during a choir practice one time or a couple times, like we were practicing for like a choir or a concert or something. Mm -hmm. And I would read these books out in the, 
in the in the main area and i was like you know what i can read these scary stories because i'm in the church and like god's gonna protect me but dude they (laughs) (laughs) they scared the hell out of me and i loved these books and i love the artwork the artwork in these books still creep me out to this day it's so unique and and it it sticks out and it like through watching the movie, I was like, yep, I remember this one exactly. Like, the artwork sticks with me more than the stories. I remembered stories because I remembered what some of those pieces looked like. Yes, absolutely. And we'll get into that a little bit more. There's some cool stuff. We watched the documentary that's, like, the making of the books, and it gives a little more backstory into the artist and the uh, the author a little bit more. So we'll get into that a little bit more as we go um, and kind of why those art pieces stood out so much because I definitely agree. I remember the art as much or more than I remember the actual story themselves. So, mm-hmm. um, so we'll get into it. But before we do that, this is a little bit of a unique uh, where in the world. We're going all the way back to 1984 when um, Scary Stories That Tell in the Dark Part 2 entered our lives. Where was the world? All right. We are back here in 1984. Um, So I I chose this year because we had a few different options to choose from. Um, So the first book actually of Scary Stories That Tell in the Dark came out in 1981. Um, Second book came out in 1984. So I figured this timeline was a little bit okay for us for like maybe our parents, maybe people a little bit older than us, the generation just above us could remember a few of these fun facts that we'll talk about here um, a little bit before we were born in 1992. Um, so first uh, fact we got right here. Sam, do you have a guess what the top song of 1984 was? Wake me up before you go, go. Wake me up before you go, go. No, that is a classic, but that is not the number one song of 1984. The number one song was like a Virgin by Madonna. Okay. Do you know like this a one? Virgin touched for the very first time. Yes, I know the song, Sam. This is a banger. Well, you never know anything though. So I, I was only, just checking. I only know songs from the 80s and from the 2000s. I don't remember anything from <laughs> 1990 to 1998 for some reason. Um, a couple good movies. Um, the top movies that came out that year, 1984, were Gremlins, The Karate Kid, and uh, Ghostbusters, yeah. and, and uh, Footloose. Dang, what a year. I know, holy shit. This was like the peak 80s year for movies. Seriously. That's crazy. I've actually seen all of those movies, which is wild, considering I don't... Yep. I have not probably seen. Actually, I just went back and rewatched The Karate Kid like two months ago. And okay. We're not going to cover this movie for the show, but that movie does not hold up all that well. <laughs> really? It was kind of lame. You know. <sighs> I mean, I've just seen a thousand movies that are exactly like it since. And yeah. so since yeah. it wasn't like the first one in my brain, because I've seen a thousand movies that are exactly the same story since then. Just didn't really do it for me. Fair enough. Oh, the uh, Sam, do you know who the top sex symbol of 1984 was? Um, <laughs> did you say it was Mel Gibson? Mel Gibson. Melvin Gibson from 1984 was the number one sex symbol in the United States. That is very interesting. That is freaking wild. Like he, I, I, that's so weird to me. Like he's just been like this old, very weird, like very problematic person for my entire yep. life. So the fact that like yep. eight years before I was born, he was like the sexiest man in the United States is just, it breaks my brain. Uh-huh. Um, do you know what the most popular um, child's toy, most popular Christmas gift slash toy of 1984 was? Oh, No. It's Cabbage Patch Kids. Oh, sweet. Yeah. 
How weird. I feel like that was definitely a thing that I remember from like my early childhood that was just kind of phasing out by the middle 2000s or I mean middle yeah. 90s, I yeah. guess. Uh, let's see if there's one more fact I can find here. Oh, didn't you? Oh, in, in trivia, you have something about the, the Super Bowl, don't you? Yeah, the the one at the end of the 83 season. Ah, okay. Let me find who the Super Bowl of 1994 or 1984 was. Oh, at the end of the 93 season, it was the Los Angeles Raiders, right? That's the one you had? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So the Los Angeles Raiders, who I do not even remember being in Los Angeles, like, at all. That is so odd. I always considered, I always thought about them as, like, an Oakland team. I mean, they pretty much, they, until they just moved, they were our whole lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Well, how weird. I get pretty much. And they beat the Washington, the Washington Redskins 38 to 9 in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Good yeah. Lord. <laughs> it was never even close. No, it wasn't. It was like 35 to 9 going into the fourth quarter. <laughs> oh my God. How wild. It was when Marcus Allen had like his crazy reverse touchdown. Ah, okay, okay. I let me see if I can find some stats about this game here. Yeah, holy shit, Marcus Allen, twenty carries for one hundred and ninety-one yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, which isn't even the, the record for rushing yards in a game in a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Dang, that's insane. Do you know? has that record Ethan um uh, rushing yards in a Super Bowl I have no idea Timmy Smith who the shit is Timmy Smith he played a running back for the Washington Redskins for one of the greatest offensive lines of all time jeez yeah no I have no idea who that even is exactly he sucked (laughs) all right uh well that's where the world was in 1984 when scary stories in the dark 2 came into our lives uh so we're going to take a quick ad break right here and then we will kind of roll into some cool facts and then we'll just kind of get right into our coverage of scary stories to tell in the dark All right, so this is going to be a pretty unique episode because we're going to start with some cool facts. Um, So some of these are from the documentary that we watched that is on Amazon Prime about the history of scary stories to tell in the dark. So that covers most of the books. Um, And it gives a little bit of an insight about the author and the illustrator for those books. Um, And then we're just going to kind of roll into our coverage of the movie and then a little bit about our history with the books and kind of just meshing it all together. Um, So we have like a good... I don't know, like almost 25 year, like 30 year span of time that we're talking about here, Sam. So it's going to be a little bit crazy. We're going to bounce back a little bit, uh, bouncing back and and forth here a little bit. Um, Let's get into it. Um, So these books um, titled Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, uh, one, two, and three. So there's three volumes of them. Um, The first one came out in 1981. um, The second volume came out in 1980. 84 and the third volume actually came out in 1991 so it was a little bit later um but sam just tell us a little bit do you remember reading these books um a a little bit growing up did you read them in grade school what's kind of your history with these um all grade school and from what i my my most vivid memories are from like second and third grade i remember checking these out all the Mm -hmm. time yeah, um, I think I checked these out about that time as well. Um, I want to say, because I, I, I mentioned earlier in this episode that they they legit banned these books from our library for a little bit. So um, I want to say I read the first one or two in second grade, and they were banned during third grade, and then they were re-put on in about fourth grade. So if I had to guess, that was probably 97 to 2001, kind of in that time frame. Um, but they were super popular and it's kind of hard to even get your hands on these books because they were so popular among kids our age and because they were banned they kind of were 
you know, like hot commodities almost. So you had to check yeah. them out at like yep. the right time before they got banned or someone checked them out ahead of you. You know, I grew up in a relatively smaller town. So it was kind of hard to get your hands on these if you didn't go to the, you know, if you didn't, there was no Amazon, there was no, you know, <laughs> there was no way to find them online. You just had to go to your school library and find them. Um, so actually these books were the number one most challenged books by parents by the um, American Library Association during the 90s for, from 1990 to 1999, the number one most challenged books in all of America. How crazy is that, Sam? But honestly, if you read any of these stories, you shouldn't be shocked. Okay, that is a very, that's a good point because this <laughs> has been a very eye-opening experience. At the time, I remember that they were very terrifying and very scary for a child my age. And then now that I was a little bit older, a little bit more adulted, I was like, why are we even like get challenging books for kids? Like let kids read it. If it scares them, they can check them back out, whatever. And then yep. rereading the stories now as a 28 year old, I'm like, holy shit. Some of these stories are crazy, Sam. Yes. It was wild. Like, um, yeah. Like Harold, you remember the story Harold very That well? is probably the most graphic one. I don't even know. It's, it's, it's hard for me to say that. It's the most graphic that I remember and that I ran across while I was looking at this. And they adapt this to the movie. Yep. And they tone it down for the movie. But in the book, Harold is a scarecrow. He's not a, he's an inanimate object that these two farmers like abuse. They just like take their anger out on the scarecrow. And then one day he like comes alive and stalks the farmers for like two days. And then eventually he's fed up with the abuse. He skins them and then stretches their skin out so that it can dry in the sun. Yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. It is the, it, it is wild. So like, I remember, and, and we'll, we'll probably touch on this as we go, but for Harold specifically. So we'll, we'll kind of intermix a little bit of our thoughts. So yeah, like I mentioned, we're jumping back and forth between cool facts, the movie, our history, and, and we're just kind of doing it all at one point because it's hard to cover something that covers 30 years of time mm -hmm. in, in time order. So for Harold specifically, I remember the artwork of Harold Absolutely. I when when I saw that in the trailer for the movie, when I've seen the picture looking back, I that image is burned into my brain of Harold yep. the Scarecrow from the book. Uh, was it for you as well? Did you recognize that artwork pretty well as well? Well, just because they used like you said, that's for the movie, and yeah. this, even though it's not like the cover of any of the books. That is like that picture is is burned into my brain. I yeah. will never forget. Yeah. So yeah. The artwork is done by a guy named Stephen, uh, maybe Stefan, Stephen, Stephen or Stefan uh, Gamble. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so he did all the artwork and it's kind of funny. So we also watched a documentary um, that's on Amazon Prime, a, a little bit of the backstory of the stories and the author and the illustrated themselves. Um, and it's kind of actually hard to find any a lot about Stephen Gamble. Um, because he was a very private person. And his whole deal was that he worked alone. He was very private. And he did not take any input from the author of the stories. So he would read yeah. the story after they were written. And he would draw his picture. And he like wouldn't accept any criticism or challenges or points from the author. He was like, this is the art that I got from this picture. Put it in the book or I'm not doing it. Uh-huh. It's it's odd, but it works so well in these books. The art is possibly more memorable than the stories themselves. Um and I remember Harold especially like I just remember this creepy weird little scarecrow that they adapted for the story and then they eventually adapted into this movie from 2019. Uh -huh. Um and just uh, for the movie Sam, what did you kind of think about their job? adapting the pictures specifically into the movie uh i thought they were pretty good i thought that the characters that they brought in were pretty good um i thought the movie itself was fine i thought it was just kind of like that's what i thought i it wasn't it was good it was fine like didn't it, i didn't think it was scary but also like i didn't know who this 
who the target audience was necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, the books are for kids, but I wouldn't call this a kid movie. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I was I was pretty indifferent. I, th- I thought the, the way they brought in the stories from the book were fine. I was interested to see how they would do it if they would just, like, build a story out of the stories or if they were going to bring them in the way they did where they had, like, separate stories, kind of like mm-hmm. the book. I don't know. I thought it was fine. I thought that the way they adapted it was fine. Um, and I didn't think it got too, I didn't th- think they took too many liberties with the source material. So I, I liked that. Yeah. So the movie's pretty interesting. Um, I, I like Sam just kind of touched on it was, I was really, really curious when they, when I heard that they were making a movie out of these books, whether they would try to connect all these stories into some type of like shared universe or like some one you know, understandable story, or whether they would literally just split them into like several different miniature stories, like the books are. So yeah. In the book, you know, you open the page, you have the big toe as the first story, and it's two pages long. You read the story at the big toe, story ends, you move on to the next story. And, mm-hmm. and actually, the books give you a little bit of history on like what kind of folklore or what kind of where that story came from, or like different versions yep. of that story. There's a lot of good background information in the books about those stories. Um, but they just, after that story is over, they move on to the next one. They're not connected at all. There's no shared universe. There's no multiverse. There's no Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, all these stories. They're all just singular, separate stories. Yep. Uh, and then to combine them all into one movie where there's like, I don't know, seven or eight stories probably combined in this one mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. So, yeah, somewhere five to eight in that range. You know, it's a, that's a tall task to try to accomplish. Yeah, um, but I, I honestly, this movie did as well as good of a job as you could possibly do trying to combine all those stories into one universe. You know, one yep. coherent story. Um, I thought they did it as as good of a job as you could possibly do. I thought this movie was fairly enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I did too. I did not think it was particularly scary. Like nothing really got me too good. You know, like no. We, like we kind of talked about like I never like jumped off the couch like. There, there's a few, there's few movies in like the last, you know, ten years or so since I've been an adult that have literally made me like jump off the couch or like moments that I yeah, still talk. Yeah, it's about. been a while since I've had a movie I was legitimately scared. Yeah, yeah, and this movie, I mean, it definitely doesn't have any of those moments. But as far as combining like some creepy horror, you know, aspects to it and and meshing it all together into, you know, it was like a two-hour movie. You know, it did a, it did as well as good of a job as you could as I could possibly ask for. Uh huh. So you enjoyed this movie, Sam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was cool. I thought the best part of it absolutely was that they they took the original artwork from Stephen Gamel and recreated it in a 2019 version so well. Oh my God, Harold um, look amazing. Harold the big toe. Yep. And and the pale lady was spot on. The pale lady was unbelievable. How freaking accurate to that just obscure artwork that, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. Stephen Gamel did not take any notes from the author. From the documentary, from what I gathered, like he's kind of a dick about it. Like he's <laughs> he's like, yeah. I'm making this artwork completely separate. He's like, if you try to give me any input or any changes. I'm dropping out. Like, I'm out. And he's like, I do yeah, my own already. He was like, for the story, that's it. That's all I'm doing. Uh-huh. He's like, any any correspondence between illustrator and author just makes for, just, just can be a cause of interference that ruins the illustration. Yes. Yeah. He had some, I thought I wrote down the quote. Maybe I, I think, I don't think I saved it, but, um, so yeah so Sam what are some some of the stories that maybe they weren't adapted into the movie itself but what stories specifically do you remember from reading these books as a child um well Harold like we already said mm-hmm. um I had a couple here that I saved let me look real quick oh this one I remember like I exactly remember this and it's creepy as shit so this one maybe you will remember okay um this girl and her mom are in paris like during in the time of the plague and um she goes 
to get like medicine or something. I can't remember. She leave, her and her mom are at a hotel and she leaves. And when she gets back to the hotel, the room is like, it's everything's gone. Her mom is gone. Their luggage is gone. The room looks different. The people at the front desk are like, no, you were never checked in here, blah, blah, blah. And then you find out that at the end that like her mom died while she was gone and to cover up her dying from the plague, they basically just wiped everything clean and told this lady she was crazy and gave her the runaround. And I remember reading this and I was like, holy shit, what if that happens when I go home or something? Yeah, that story is freaking wild and yeah even and your description of it even like saying that it's from the time of the plague they do not specify that when they're telling this original story yep and so it's it's a weird thing i listened to a podcast and a youtube series a couple things about this book um and the stories so that are the story that's in the book they don't mention that it's any it has anything to do with the plague they're just like mm-hmm. this lady is and it's even kind of confusing and it's kind of confusing with a lot of the stories that are in this book they don't really give it like much of a definitive ending like a lot of the stories are just yep. like even with harold they're like and one of the farmers came home and harold was stretching his skin to dry in the sun yeah and you're just like they leave a lot of things open-ended yes absolutely you can think of what happens after yes absolutely and they do such an incredible job of it it's like and it and i think that's really what terrified me most as a kid is just like the story is just so vague oh and there's another thing i wanted to mention about the artwork um to go with the stories because that that's really the selling point of these books what ended up happening Uh is that the stories are like relatively i mean they're folklore so like they're general stories you've probably heard similar stories to before like one of them called the sausage or something about sausage is basically the same story as um oh shit what's that musical called with johnny depp um Uh, sweeney todd sweeney todd yes thank you um it's essentially the same story like he grinds people up in a meat and sells them to people and he they just they like they figure out that human meat tastes just as good as sausage or whatever it's like a very general story it's been passed down through many you know decades and centuries and many different cultures but um the artwork that goes with this and one thing i learned from the documentary is that purposefully um stephen gamble just uh designed the artwork to look directly at the reader so like the artwork the eyes are facing out, like out of the page, staring directly into the person yep. reading it, which was extremely yeah. unique and not typical of that art style of that time because it, it, it really made it personal. And you almost feel like the artwork is what they described in the documentary, which I never realized why the artwork was so creepy. But when they said it, it made so much sense. They said the artwork of the book is breaking the fourth wall. So the artwork is staring at the reader while you're reading the story. And holy shit, Sam, this blew my mind. It was I know. incredible. It was so amazing. Yeah. Uh, I think they also talk like it's creepy because when you're a kid, you think, oh, I'll hide under, the, like, if they don't see me, I then I, or if I don't see them, they don't see me. Yeah. But like, they're staring at you. So like, they know you're there while you're reading, which is just like, way deeper than i would ever expect a kid's book to get yes absolutely that's what this documentary was really really good because it touched on something that was such a big part of my childhood which like that's kind of the whole point of this podcast is like we're we're talking about things that like changed our lives as a childhood or like molded us as children and honestly like this book like i definitely remember it but i don't feel like it like molded my childhood by any means but like once I watched this documentary and watched the movie and looked back at the books, I was like, dude, like that part of my childhood when I was really into these books and kind of my, you know, my interest in the horror genre and all that stuff, like this was a hugely, hugely developmental part of my childhood, which is reading these books and just seeing that like this author who was kind of a jerk and was just like yeah, yeah. doing yeah. his own thing. Like he took the time to be like, I'm going to change the game and have this artwork, like look into your freaking eight-year-old soul as you read this story. So like, you feel like this art is haunting you at night compared to the story. 
it's just unbelievable. Um, and some of the stuff with the author was very odd. I don't know if you picked up on this as much, Sam, but the author was also just like a shitty dad. <laughs> yeah. And it was- He left his kid a present that was like from your distant father. Yeah. Something like that. It was so bizarre. And I don't know how much this even has to do with the rest of these stories, but it's maybe just an interesting fact if you guys haven't seen this documentary, but a, a good portion, like 20% of this documentary, 10 to 20%, like a good amount of it is about the son of Alvin Schwartz. And he is just ripping on Alvin Schwartz, who's the author of these three books, uh, and it's his son. He's just ripping on his dad. He was like, you know, my dad was never there for me. Like, he was a shitty dad. Like, he didn't come to, like, all these things. He, like, didn't come to my wedding. He, like, wasn't involved with my life. Um, and he, like, he even rips on him. He's like, he wasn't, like, an expert in horror stories. Like, he really just took, like, popular stories from folklore and just kind of dumbed them down to, like, one story and just put them out there. He was like, he yeah. was not an expert. He was not involved. And I, I don't know if that has anything to do with my appreciation for these stories or anything, but, like, it was just really fascinating to hear about, like, his disconnect from kind of the rest Everything. of society yeah like he was just yeah. disconnected from society his family his friends yep. like he was just doing his own thing there's barely even any like recorded interviews of him talking about these books so it's 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 why weird. he wrote such a dark ass horror anthology for children probably yeah and like so, so and Stephen Gamel was the same way like the author and the illustrator are both just like very distant very disconnected people who have together created this just fascinating you know aspect of a lot of child a lot of people who grew up in the 90s grew up on these books and uh and one of the stories is just a poem called the hearse song yeah which they sing in the beginning of that documentary and it's pretty long i'm just going to read a couple of the uh chunks from it yeah hit us uh let's see so also a theme throughout the stories is they use the lines, the worms crawl in, the worms crawl out. Like that comes up in a bunch of stories. Um, so here, this part says, the worms crawl in, the worms crawl out, the worms play pinochle on your snout. They eat your eyes, they eat your nose, they eat the jelly between your toes. Um, <laughs> a big green worm with rolling eyes crawls in your stomach and out your eyes your stomach, your stomach turns a slimy green, and pus comes out like whipping cream. You spread it on a slice of bread, and that's what you eat when you're dead. And the worms crawl out, and the worms crawl in. The worms that crawl are lean and thin. It doesn't get any better. It, it just gets like it. It like it's so dark and scary. <laughs> dark as shit. That's pretty wild. Oh man. Um, yeah, that, I mean, just watching this movie and then doing some research and reading some and listening to some podcasts and watching that documentary, like if you guys have not seen, if you guys are interested in this, please go watch that documentary. There's some good stuff, but there's one more point I really want to touch on before we kind of give our grades and, and, and really move on. But Samuel, this tattoo girl that they have in this documentary the girl that has the full sleeve of, oh, yeah. of yeah. artwork from this book. This is an extreme thirst. Oh, he needs oh. some water. Give the guy some water. So she has like yep. the, she has like uh, all the, all of her tattoos on one sleeve on her left arm, I believe is from this book. So there's like the cover of um, the third book that has like the three heads. Um, there's the cover of the second book that has like the big head and it's all artwork down this arm. Yep. Boy. This is time for Ethan's Thurston, uh, Thurston for Kirsten Hour. Dude, oh my God, she was fine. And those, uh, that sleeve work of, you know, of scary stories that tell the dark tattoo. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. I feel like that cover artwork is made perfectly for a tattoo. It really is. I, uh, absolutely. It it was perfect. She was... oh my god i was in love with her and she had the arm full of gothic tattoos from scores towards tell dark mm. that is some subset of my of my attractiveness scale sam pretty ladies with full sleeves mm. she was gorgeous 
I was into it. And we we haven't worked in a we haven't worked in an Ethan's Thurston hour this episode. So there you there go. There you go. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> so she was gorgeous. Um uh, I did any of this, so uh, we've covered a good amount of the uh, the history and kind of the movie a little bit. Um, did any stories either from the movie or from the books themselves? Um, do you remember really, really distinctly, or any other points you want to talk about, Sam? Um, not really. There's this one story. Um, it's called "Room for One More," and um, it is this guy he's just like walking around or he's driving and there's always something someone asking if there's room for one more um and he always says no and then this guy joseph he keeps ignoring the the person talking to him coming to the door asking if there's room for one more and then he says no he says no and then he is riding in an elevator and he like asks if there's room for one more and he gets in and the elevator takes him straight to hell oh shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a pretty wild turnaround i know it's just it's yeah it's crazy Hmm. i don't uh yeah that one i don't specifically remember but that sounds about right for the stories that are included in this book like they're pretty Mm -hmm. They either have like a pretty abrupt ending or it's a pretty ambiguous ending for the yep. most part. Like it's very rare that a story actually ends with like a resolution. Like like yes. and, and like the ghost killed everyone and we learned our lesson or like we toppled the ghost. Like it's never like that. It's just like nope. some crazy shit happened and then we moved on. <laughs> like no, and the person that was it. In, in the story never wins. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. It's always the ghost. It's always the creature yeah and that was one of the main reasons that uh this book was so like disliked and uh was one of the most challenged books by ala is like um so one of the quotes they have from the documentary is like these books are sick repulsive and really disgusting and not appropriate (laughs) for children and they said like one of the things is the bad guy always wins in these stories like there's no like positive resolution for many of these stories yep which uh, I appreciate actually. Like it's it's a fascinating way to look at these stories. So it, it, it's a very unique writing style. But uh, and and for the movie themselves, I thought they adapted these stories in a really really great way, as well yeah. as they possibly could. So um, another story that really messed with me that I remember from my childhood was um, the window, um, which the specifics of the story aren't like particularly. It, like great or intriguing like it's essentially this girl lit uh, she has this window that overlooks her bed which to be fair i also had a window that overlooked my bed when i was <laughs> at this age so like i was always afraid of something crawling up my house and coming through the window and messing with me uh-huh. in the middle of the night and that's essentially what the story is it's like some demon or something crawls through her window and bites her in the middle of the night and then they have to track down this demon or whatever it is but just like the fact that and a big point of all these movie of all these stories is that it it kind of they kind of prey on just like real minor insecurities like you know could a monster crawl through my window could some a demon attack me in the middle of the night could it's all these very like insecurities dealing with like your family and like your house life school uh-huh. window like these all these stories are just based off of something very simple and then just taking it kind of to uh kind of to an extreme with ghosts and zombies and stuff like yeah. that so um and so it's, it's no wonder that these that these stories have really resonated with people our age because we were like seven years old re- <laughs> reading these freaking stories uh, yeah. so yeah um, and so and like that one the window and harold and uh oh the the red spot i think that's the name of the one with the girl with the spider yep eggs yep. in her face oh my oh, god yeah. that has haunted me for 20 years at least i have forever just worried like i've always been concerned that that would happen to me yes absolutely which i read a story the other, uh when i was researching this that's like that's not possible yes physiologically how it works <laughs> <laughs> which was encouraging because for 20 years I've been afraid of that but um, <laughs> apparently spiders hatching eggs in your face is not humanly possible um so that's good news um but some of the stories have really resonated with me you know in a horror genre for you know 20 years of my life so 
All right. Um, so anything else that you really wanted to touch on or any notes you wanted to mention before we give this bad boy a grade? No. Yeah. Nope. Um, so are we doing our grading on the movie or just um, kind of the books in the movie do itself? It on the books. Okay. Yeah. okay. 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 So just kind of the whole, and that's why this episode is pretty unique. So we're covering, you know, three different books and a movie and a documentary. So I guess really just the whole, the whole thing, the, all of it, all of it into one grade, scary stories to tell in the dark by Alvin Schwartz from 1984 to 2019. Samuel L. What is your, do you give this bad boy and all that in a bag of chips grade? Absolutely. Um, I don't think you could find another book like this now. Like, this book is the bomb. It was awesome then. These, if I read these stories to my kids at school, it'd probably scare the shit out of them. Some of them. Most of them. <laughs> I absolutely agree. This, um, from the movie, which was, it's been well-reviewed, and it did pretty well, pretty well in theaters. I mean, it's kind of a cult following, like you mentioned, so it's not like a blockbuster by any means, but, I mean, they did an excellent, as good as possible of a job of combining all these stories into one coherent movie and then just researching these stories and the books themselves like they have been an impressive you know part of culture for 30 years now how long ago was 1984 36 years yeah 30 36 years from the first book and i mean people are still talking this documentary just came out last year and the whole basis of the documentary was people who are like a, like either recreating the art from the movie through sculptures or through art or through tattoos from the movie just coming out last year and being a relatively good hit like they uh -huh. have been a part of our life for since 1984 and yeah a really good introduction into the horror genre Mm -hmm. and and a big part specifically of my life which is always super cool because i was obsessed with these books for a couple of years in grade school so yeah absolutely which is probably why i'm as sick as i am now it's probably why we're so messed up samuel mm -hmm. so absolutely all that bag of chips i really enjoyed this movie and actually we we're going to record this podcast a day earlier but i wanted to watch the documentary before we got into it so i was even like yearning to learn some more about this stuff before we talk yep. about it so Super cool. I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was wonderful. So um, do you have any final notes before we move on to some trivia? Nope. All right. Uh, so that's all we got for our coverage of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. We'll do some trivia and then we'll do our closing and then we will get out of here. All right, Ethan, here we go. Figured you'd be excited for this. Cannot wait. Always looking, always looking for another opportunity to get 100%. <laughs> I have nightmares that I fail that Spider-Man trivia again, and I wake up in the middle of the night. <laughs> uh, this one's a kind of all over the place. It, it was kind of hard to drum up specific trivia for this that wouldn't be just incredibly hard. So um, it has to do with um, the general general region of scary stories to tell in the dark. Great. Can't wait. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Number one, which of the stories from the movie was not an adaptation from the actual books? So there's a bunch. They, they use a bunch of stories. So about everyone's story in the movie um, was basically just a story taken from the book, except for one. Okay. Okay. So I'm gonna I'll give you the name of all of them, and then you can tell me which one was not. Okay. Was it A, the pale lady, B, the big toe, C, the jangly man, D, the red spot, E, Harold, or F, the haunted house? What was A? A is the pale lady. Dang it! I don't remember exactly what happens in the haunted house. Oh wait. Yes, I do. It's A, the pale lady. Incorrect, Ethan. What? Was it the haunted house? No, the only story that was not taken from the books was the jangly man. Because that's a combination of two different stories, right? Yeah, they took a bunch of them. 
That's a trick question. I was, I literally read the two, I listened to the two stories yesterday and I realized um, that, that that happening was a, a compilation of two different stories. Okay. That's what I was trying to get at. Yes. The jangly man character was just made up. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I think I'll get you. I might get you on this one. She probably. <laughs> no. All right. The movie was directed by Guillermo del Toro. Which of these others are not credited oh, to him? God. Was it A, Hellboy, B, Pan's Labyrinth, C, Hostel, or D, Pacific Rim? C, Hostel. Correct. Mm, hostel be... was um, directed by Eli Roth, I believe. Oh, okay. Hostel creeps me the hell out. And I will refuse to stay in hostels if I ever travel internationally because of that movie. I know. That movie was wild. I saw that in theaters when I was younger. Oof. Yikes. Uh-huh. All right. So you are one and a half for two. <laughs> okay. I don't know how to say this guy's name. It, it had some weird accents, but I'm going to just go with Javier Bote. Okay. Okay. He, play, he plays the big toe monster in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Which of these two roles are not also in his acting catalog? Was it A? So two of these, he did Bullshit. not. <laughs> two of these, two of these, he did not um play in movies which reading this was i thought was very interesting okay was it a slender man b the moonlight man c pennywise d the crooked man or e lurch uh the answer is pennywise um, correct. He does not play Pennywise, <laughs> but he also does not play which other one? Oh, okay. I wasn't even listening to the rest of them. What is it? Um, he, your other options. So I gave you five options. I meant to give you four. That was an accident, but you eliminated Pennywise. <laughs> Good job. Okay. Um, did he, so you have to pick one of these that he did play. <laughs> Okay. Good lord. Great. This is a, a great episode, Sam. <laughs> did he play A, Slender Man, B, The Moonlight Man, or D, The Crooked Man? Dude, I don't even know. I don't even know what those other things are. <laughs> so I'm going to say he did not play The Crooked Man. Um, That would be incorrect. I haven't even heard of those other... I, the Slender Man I've heard of, but the other ones I haven't yeah. even heard of. So he plays... That he plays the Crooked Man and he plays Slender Man. The Moonlight Man is from a uh, recent Netflix movie, which so I looked this up and the guy who plays the Moonlight Man is the guy who plays Lurch in the Adams Family movies. Oh, okay, okay. Because I thought it was very interesting. That is intriguing. Um, that was pretty messy. I don't really know what all happened there. I'm going to give you a point. <laughs> I got one out of two possible points for that one. Yeah, correct. Which brings you to, what, two and a half? Yeah. yeah. Okay, moving on. We'll just, we'll call it two and a half. I don't know what the hell's going on. Perfect. Number four. In all, how many scary stories are there to tell in the dark? between all three books is it a 63 b 75 c 82 or d 99 b whatever that number was 75 would be <laughs> incorrect damn it there are 82 Oh my gosh. Stories between all three books. That's insane. That is a lot of scary stories. I know. Yes, it is. <clears throat> um, I did I was reading back through them though, and it, it's a lot of them seem to kind of be the same with just like a little bit different, maybe like sure. settings or characters. Anyway, that's a, a still a lot of stories. 
All right, number five. This is your last question. It Good. I'm a, only like two and a half out of five. It's not yeah, my worst performance. Um, in the year 1984, so at the end of the 1983 season, the Raiders won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Who was their quarterback? Was it A, Jim Plunkett, B, Kenny Stabler, C, Jamarcus Russell, or, <laughs> or D, Daryl LaMonica? Uh, Kenny Stabler. Incorrect. Damn it. <laughs> uh, it was A, Jim Plunkett, oh, and your bonus point. Where did these Raiders hail from? Was it were they were the before they were the Oakland Raiders? They went somewhere else. I don't know the exact path. The lineage. Mm. Yeah, I feel like the Oakland Raiders. It's very old. Is it in California still, or is it not outside of California? Yeah. Uh, yes. To which part? It's in in California. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh. San Francisco wrong hmm. yeah i don't know that was just the bonus point though okay. so they were in los angeles ah i was gonna say that but i think they were only there they were only there shortly and then the nfl was like what the hell are you doing get out of los angeles <laughs> was that when the rams were still there too um yeah, maybe. I'm trying I'm trying to look. All right. That ends <laughs> trivia for the week. The that was that was very sloppy and maybe not the most professionally done trivia, but <laughs> that was the worst trivia cycle we've ever done by far. <laughs> but trust me when I tell you that hocus pocus trivia next week, I'm coming at you. I'm ready. I ain't scared. <laughs> All right. All right. But uh, so we will move on to our closing and then we will get out of here. All right. And that was our trivia segment for the week. So we are going to hit our closing and then we'll get out of here. Um, so first, let's announce our next episode. Sam, tell the listeners what we're going to cover next week. Next week, we are going to cover... Hocus Pocus. All right. Have you seen this movie before, Sam? Oh, hell yes. I'm not even 100% sure that I've ever seen this movie. Please don't oh judge me. Oh, my God. I recognize, like, the three main characters. Like, I've seen that picture of them, like, a thousand times. I'm not 100% sure I've ever even seen this movie. So, I'm pretty excited. Oh, Ethan. No, I know. It's be another interesting one, but maybe we should have a guest on next week. I'll see if we can find a guest to, to cover for me not knowing shit about this movie. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right. So next week, we're talking about Hocus Pocus. Um, but in the meantime, if you'd like to send us an email or a message or follow us on any of our social media accounts, uh, you can follow us on Facebook at All That and a Bag of Chips and Instagram also at All That and a Bag of Chips. Um, on Twitter, we are at all that podcast, or you can send us an email at all that in a bag of chips pod at yahoo.com. Uh, that's all we got. Thanks for listening. Sam, take us away. We will smell you later. Power Rangers, Pikachu, Rugrats, Abumafoo, Lion King, Stone Cold, Billy Blanks, Tybo. Toy Story, Joe Rogan, Ninja Turtles, Hulk Hogan, Kobe Bryant, all that tickle me Elmo. Mario Land before time, X-Men, Mr. Mime, Batman, Baby, Bottle Pop, Shrek, and Spider-Man. Michael Jordan, Space Jam, The Rock, Silence of the Lambs, Dragon Ball, Dexter's Lab, Beanie Babies, Vince McMahon. Beetleborg, Frosted Tips, Whitney Houston hit clips, Dallas Cowboys, Dunkaroos, Gangsta's Paradise, 
Game Boy Color, Donkey Kong, every single Tupac song, CSI, TRL, man those days were nice. Britney Spears, Yu-Gi-Oh, Andy Millen, Naka Show, reading Rainbow Barney and collecting every pog. All toys, Backstreet Boys, Pepsi Blue, Furby Toys, Powdered Gum, Goosebumps, Courage, the Cowardly Dog.